the Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC 255 Breakdown, Picks, Plays, and whatever else comes our way, we're back. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree, people sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night It's a dark night Dark night It's a dark night What is up, my friends? This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I'm your host, Dan Tom. Analyst is work you can find over at MMA Junkie as well as LineMovement.com. But on this year's program, the Protect Your Neck Podcast we break down high-level MMA. That's what we're going to do today, tonight. Whenever you're listening to this, hopefully it's before the fight. So I'm recording this Friday morning, right as the weigh-ins are going. Pretty much everybody's weighed in, minus Mike Perry, which should be a surprise to no one, especially me, uh, or especially you if you've listened to me um, since uh, Wednesday or maybe Thursday when the actual line movement MMA betting show breakdown dropped. But, you know, we record those on Wednesday and even then, I said my prediction is that Mike Perry will miss weight. I'm going to stay tuned to see if that prediction you'll get a live pass or fail from me on that, perhaps, um, as this podcast goes on. But yes, we're going to be breaking down UFC 255 from top to bottom as we usually do, recapping my picks at the very end. Check the timestamps when the breakdown starts, although really, there's nothing to recap because we're going to get right into it. Just a couple notes, thank yous, and shouts off the top. But yes, as per usual, I do tend to timestamp in case you want to listen to me as little as possible. I don't blame you, believe me. Uh, And you can even always skip right to the end as I always recap my picks and plays at the very end of the episode because, you know, ADD times, it can be tough to listen to any podcast, much less someone like myself who tends to jolt off in different directions and take random left turns down dark alleys. Uh, So, you know, we we make it easy for you as possible to deal with me here on this uh, program. (laughs) So... Without further ado, let's get into it. Um, it was, you know, it was it was a good uh, vacation. I use air quotes. Obviously, no one's doing really vacations or should be. I was going to try to get back home to bury my grandfather, but uh, it didn't really get to happen. Um, the restrictions as well are tighter everywhere, especially in Hawaii. So, yeah, we decided it best to hold off. Uh, instead, I got a bunch done. Not as much as I would like to. In fact, some of you are listening to me like, hey, jerk, you're supposed to get back to me. If I was supposed to get back to you, I've not forgotten. I'm probably doing it after this here podcast. It just, boy, did I come back in a busy week. We had the Contender Series, Bellator, and UFC 255. I know I'm number one. Maybe not. That's being too generous in a negative way. Uh, but I know I tend to complain about oversaturation. But, um, yeah, it's, believe me, man, even though it's a crazy week, I'm super grateful. Uh, I, I've missed this because, as I tweeted, if you follow me on Twitter, at Dan Tom MMA, where you find all my work throughout the week so you don't have to wait for this late late this year late show that tends to drop at the end of the week um apologies on that but yeah no i'm genuinely excited to be back man uh genuinely very happy to be back um you know it was i was busy as crap busier than most people on what's a break but the fact that that business was not taken up uh you know from the mma stuff i got a break from that and absence makes the heart grow fonder and uh, and all that good stuff, right? So um, I'm, I'm happy, man. I'm happy to be back and to talk to you guys. That being said, I am going to try to push this one along and not really celebrate it. Uh, not that you guys really care uh, for me to catch you up on the, the ins and outs, but I just will say quickly, um, thank you for those who uh, enjoyed those top five shows. Thank you for the guests, of course. Ben Cohn from the Fight Site, um, and uh, as well as... Uh, Phil McKenzie there from the Heavy Hands podcast. We did uh, top five unluckiest fighters. Um, as well as thanks for the uh, feedback. I know I dropped kind of a doozy as far as the uh, the old Tourette's podcast there. Uh, talking about my journey. Hopefully you were able to learn a little bit more about the host. Those of you able to listen to it and, and uh, got back to me, thank you. I know it's not a listen for all, um, you know, but at the same time just trying to be transparent for myself, uh, others, and uh, and whatnot. But that being said, this is an MMA show, so not that that doesn't have you know 
not that that talk's not welcome here. You know, I talk about a grand scale of things on this show. We, we, we try to stay on target, as I tend to say, right? But I just wanted to say thank you um, to all. And Ben Brown, host of Tourette's Podcast as well. Um, yeah, everyone had me on their shows. I already, I already thanked Fernando on a past episode. She's awesome. She had a sweet Van Dam article come out on Fanbyte you should check out. And since I just mentioned Fight Site, thanks to those guys for um, having me on a, a little impromptu discussion over the main event, which we're going to talk about here uh, shortly. Uh, oh, and lastly but not leastly, James Lynch, the man, the busiest man uh, in MMA, I dare say. Um, he uh, he was covering my <laughs> my butt, whether it was uh, on the Aaron Bronstetter. Shout-outs to Aaron in the pre-show. I'm excited to jump back on that with Aaron this week. Or, uh, of course, at Line Movement, uh, co-hosting uh, aside Dan Levy in my stead. So appreciate you, James. And, of course, James always delivers excellent interviews. Go check out him at Lynch on Sports. All right, without further ado, let's get into the breakdown. Um. UFC 255 kicks off with a well, doesn't kick off. It, it we're gonna t- go from top to bottom. It's headlined by a headline by a title fight between Davis and Figueredo, who is the champion and your favorite, uh, deserved favorite. But man, that's a big number, not that big, I guess. But uh, minus 280 and Alex Perez plus 240. My voice is freaking gone. Um, yeah, I think uh. <coughs> As you shove coffee down the wrong throat hole. Jesus, Dan. Sorry. Phrasing, um, as, uh, as as the word is probably out by now, as I've annoyed my listeners by now with that slurping and coughing. Um, yeah, oh, contrarian Dan Tom went contrarian here, and I went with Alex Perez, the underdog. Um, full disclosure, I haven't been able to play anything uh, because, uh, and I'm not going to... Uh, uh, it's it's salvageable. Uh, I've been having issues, but I'm not gonna throw them under the bus. I, I, uh, so I'll just won't mention the book. But I've been having issues with my book. Um, so I'm gonna have to dust up other accounts if you guys wanna give me recommendations. Because if it doesn't get resolved in time, uh, I'm gonna have to find some action because I haven't been able to have any action since Glover the Lover cashed. And um, if you've been following my picks, uh, at least from like staff picks perspective. You'll see that I've been still doing pretty well, and uh, so I've missed out on some opportunities. In other words, and in other words, if you're sensing saltiness, at least you can take solace and know that um, Dan Tom actually does bet what he says, because you can tell that I didn't bet it this week, and it's bothering me because there's some things that I think that are bettable. So, even though I will continue to say, "Don't follow me off my the cliff," um, as I tend to be honest. Uh, but conservative in those regards, but yet always honest. Um, that being said, there are some cliffs that um, if you do follow me off of, so to speak, you know, I may have to be living vicariously through you guys. So <laughs> bet a little bit for your boy, and your boy will in turn send good vibes your way, as I always do. I want you all to cash, even if you're going against me. You know, I, 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 I'll be happy knowing my listeners do well, Okay. Uh, and those of you who've been hitting me up in the DMs and stuff, um, again, uh, you guys know you're uh, you, you, you're welcome, and uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully I can help you there too. All right, um, this one I don't blame you for not following me off the cliff, but I do feel like it's fair to question the line. Uh, I love Davis and Figueroa, you know, just as much as everybody. And, and as I was getting passionate um, on the line movement MMA betting show, because um, God, I don't read the comment section on anything, but like. I, I, and again, you guys are passionate too, so I appreciate it. But I know, I know there'll be people in the comment section coming in. You know, the classic, ah, oh, you picked this guy. That must mean you hate this guy or you underrate this guy or you disrespect this guy or all these words that are very broad brush and unfair uh, to the specific poison. Uh, because, you know, like I stated in breakdowns, I was calling for Davis and Figueredo versus Peter Yan for, for most casuals or even aware of Figueredo as a contender, much less a champion. So don't you know, get that shit out of here. And I think I was joking. This one, I think, it was off air. So you guys didn't catch this one on the live movement. I'm in a betting show where we have, we have some good times over there. I was talking with Jordan, the producer, and Dan. Uh, and uh, I was just saying, I'm like, watch. Like, like for example, like if Aljo fought Jan, and I, I pick Aljo, right, to, rest, to wrestle Jan, just because it's a, you know, a bad stylistic matchup, perhaps, on paper. Let's just say for this hypothetical, right? Um, but, like, everyone's going to be like, you 
you don't even know who Peter Yan is, and you you hate Peter. And it's motherfucker. I was watching Peter Yan in Russia like five years ago. Shut up. Like you know, it's it's this whole just because you pick against somebody, it's the most ignorant shit. And but you know, I get it because you know there's not enough of my team versus your team, especially in my country, right? Or the world. Jesus Christ, people. Like, like, there's not enough of that shit. Anyways, it's my biggest pet peeve, so I'm not going to go down that diatribe like I did on the Land Movement MMA betting show, but that's what that was all about. And uh, believe me, I hope I'm wrong, folks. Like, if you're a Figueredo backer, like, not only do I like him, fucking relax, but, like, dude, I hope I'm wrong. I hope y'all I hope y'all are right and whatever angle you, you, you're cashing. Although I got to say you're paying for it. Not just money line like minus 280, but it's disproportionate. And we'll talk about an inside the distance the money line um at the at the at the very end here. Uh but it's disproportionate cuz I'm seeing it like minus 160 for Figueredo inside the distance. Now granted, especially as of late and how this matchup may call for, Figueredo will be as equal a submission threat as he is a knockout threat at least in this fight, right? Um, and we'll talk about, you know, stylistically, and we'll talk about the submission losses that Perez has, although that's not what I'm basing it on, though you could certainly, sure, throw it on the scale too for the argument, right? Um, so I get it. It's hard to pick, therefore, the inside the distance line should be heavy for that fighter who is also the favorite, but man, a minus 280 to minus 160 spread for a money line to inside, that is just kind of silly to me. Um, Five-round fight, finisher or not, uh, you know, it, you know, this will fly away to fair. And, and like I said in these breakdowns, you know, MMA, to oversimplify on purposely here, folks, for a second, humor me for a second as I purposely oversimplify, but MMA is a game of matchups and chaos. Figueredo is certainly the man better suited to capitalize on the chaos against Perez. No arguments from me. He's the deserved favorite. No arguments from me. But, MMA is a game of matchups, and Figueredo belongs to kind of a weird love triangle, right? Similar to, and I referenced this on the fight side, I believe it was Trigg, Hughes, and Hallman. Shout out to my man Jordan Killian, who I'm going to have back on for a top five. I believe he always referenced this one too, where it's like Hallman beat Hughes twice, uh, Trigg beat Hallman twice, I believe, or something like that, and of course Hughes beat Trigg twice, right? And they kind of chase each other's tail as far as who could beat who, putting the proverbial under the math right on its pooper. Right? Uh, I don't know if that's a really good phrasing, Dan. But you get what I'm saying now. So when we do the, you know, Figueredo beating, you know, Benavidez twice, Benavidez beating Formiga twice, and Formiga soundly beating Figueredo the champion, you get a kind of a similar situation where we're trying to figure out where Perez fits in this love triangle, right? Because he iced Formiga Oh, well, maybe that means he'll meet Ice Figueredo. Well, that didn't work out too well for Joe B. Well, he fought Joe B. How did it go when he fought Joe B? Joe B TKO'd him, and we just saw Joe B just get smashed. And I think that's a lot of the line, right? Uh, Figueredo's dominance, he is an athletic outlier. There's no denying that. Believe me, he is. But when you see someone just massacre somebody, it's like recency bias. We're like, oh, my God, right? And if you want another example of this, because Dan Tom, you, you don't have to agree with me, folks, but I I will bring facts, examples, citations, not just to the eloquent talk, folks. <laughs> bring some math to the table, some facts here. But let's look at the featherweight Grand Prix of Bellator. Like, dude, in one night, first of all, you got, you know, just the other week, you got Emmanuel Sanchez getting his deserved due. Like, finally, people are seeing this guy's potential that he can upset Pitbull the second time around. Um, that people weren't crazy for thinking he could have done it the first time around, although I did pick Pitbull by decision, but I gave Emmanuel Sanchez his due credit that people many weren't giving him. Not everybody, of course. Um, and it's like, great. And then the next fight, you know, Pitbull ices Carvalho, who is like Portuguese Conor, the, the poor man Portuguese Conor the McGregor. Like, you know, no offense to the guy, but like, that's kind of what Pitbull should have done to him. And everybody's like, oh, Pitbull's great. Like, Pitbull's always been great, folks. Like, what, what's what's going on here, right? And But I'm not going to hate because Pitbull deserves more credit. So, hey, okay, let's, I mean, it's not news to me or, or, or many of you. But, you know, hey, let's, let's let the positivity pour in, right? And then not a week later, AJ McKee, who even people picking him like myself are like, I don't know if this line should, line should be this wide. Like, I don't, I don't blame anybody seeing value on Caldwell, 
Uh, although I didn't pick or play him, not that I could have anyways. <laughs> See, you could tell, you could tell I'm, I'm, I'm honest when I say I play things, folks, because I'm salty this week. Um, but like, uh, and I wouldn't have played him anyway, so I wouldn't have lost out there. But I, I got it. I'm not hating anybody who took that shot. And then you see McKee just, you know, win in a way that not even people picking him to win by submission like myself (laughs) were calling for. You know what I'm saying? He's got like that catch wrestling off the cow catcher catch thing there, right? With the the guard in play. It was cool. It was sweet. But everybody's already going submission of the year. And I'm just like, easy, easy. Let's relax. You know, and granted, I know I'm always that guy, even in the face of the Joaquin Buckleys of the world, where I'm like, let's, how about let's let the, the rest of the year play out? Because although there's a good chance that no one's going to top or do anything like Joaquin Buckley's for the rest of the year, or maybe the next two or three, the fact is there were crazy KOs just weeks before that. The fact is the year's not over, which is a fact. So people getting so upset going, if you're not fucking bowing down and sucking Joaquin Buckley's dick and giving him the award right now, you're fucking wrong. You know, we saw how many of those campaigns. Obviously not in those words. <laughs> but you you get what I'm, that was like the spirit. Like, like, okay, like, or we could just point to mathematical facts if we want to argue about it and just point to the fact that the year's not over. Or the fact that, speaking of the magic word year, how about 2020, folks? I rest my fucking case. So the point is, we get way too excited about shit. Recency bias is absolutely real. We can argue to each case and to each degree. That's fine. But it is absolutely real. And I warn, I warn people, I, I warn people is that. I feel like that could be happening, you know. Figueredo doesn't exactly have the longest sample size, and his sample size isn't exactly the most consistent. Yes, he may have reportedly had injuries going into that Figueredo fight, but you know it just gets murky because, again, you've got the headbutts that Benavidez himself admits to that I forgot to highlight in my breakdown, though I've been talking about uh, before most, and, and, and not still not, not enough people talk about that. So you've got all these weird question marks. So ultimately, let's just look at the styles. And... Again, just because something has value doesn't mean you should bet it. Hence the Caldwell, why I didn't pick or play, right? That being said, I could be very guilty on that here in Perez. That being said, there's another metric, which is a very dangerous one to go to. It could be another trapping, but I digress. It's another metric to add on to it, which is, I've done this before, where you go, when you when we start getting too excited, and over, we feel like we might be getting overcorrecting the steering wheel, hyping, recency bias, whatever, all the above, right? A healthy question to often ask is when a guy looks so unbeatable, you go, wait a minute. Everyone's beatable in this game, right? Everyone is. Even even the guys who are unbeatable um, and may stay that way because they're going to stay away like Habib. You know, there's times in his career where he probably was beatable. Or, you know, matchups are waiting for him. Or if he stays long enough, where he will be beatable because that is the nature of the game. It's not a knock on Habib, folks. Relax. Um, cause I get a lot of those same vibes. Like when I'm picking against Figueredo, like I, I get, I love the guy too, man. He's, he's a, he's a great character. He's, it's, it's, it's good for the division. It's good if he wins, believe me. Part of me hopes I'm wrong here, but you got to ask yourself the healthy question is if everybody's beatable, then who's the person to beat them stylistically? If this is a game of matchups and everyone's beatable and for Figueredo, I think it's shown that it's a wrestler. Um, Formiga wasn't a wrestler that beat him, but Jared Brooks, who, even though I'm not mad at that decision, though you could argue that he won, especially under older Georgian scoring criteria and trends, right? Whether you agree with it or not is what it is, folks. The fact is that although initiative is what, in theory, gets you in trouble against a dangerous counterfighter, and initiative is what has scored guys most devastating moments and Figueredo's best moments, right? Because he is Figueredo, a devastating, powerful counterpuncher, right? That being said, on the transfer the inverse, the, the fighters that have done best against him were fighters that were taking the initiative, but they were offensive minded grapplers. Whether they had deep skill sets like judo and jujitsu black belts like Formiga and veteran savvy or really not deep skill sets or experience like Jared Brooks, who was undersized, under, you know, experience, didn't have deep 
tools, but he had initiative and offensive grappling, reactive shots, and that is something that Perez has. Um, Perez can do it all from the clincher in the open. I do think his best chances will be um, in the open. Uh, Ed Gallo, shout out to him, had some very interesting notes about Perez, which I agree. He does seem to favor that snatch single. And it's one of those things where it's hard to rely on. It's There's a lot of intangibles, like how good are you? How good is your timing? How good is your division? Which is maybe why you see it more at heavyweight, to Ed's point, you know? The Stipe's or the Cormier's of the world, even at that, but at heavyweight, right? <clears throat> However, I, I have seen Perez uh, on more than a couple of occasions not only use level-changing doubles or reactive doubles, but um, chaining off to knee taps. And with Davison having, when he when he isn't falling into his back and going for selling out for guillotines, him having decent, uh, I should say, strong first-layer defense in the clinch and sprawls, uh, I feel like those opportunities, especially a, a, a sprawling motion in the open to defend, will just open up either the knee tap chain or the knee tap chaining into like a shrug off to the back. Um, and then you're in riding territory. And Figueredo, I think, is even, or Perez uh, will be a better rider than guys like Jared Brooks, so he won't be giving up position as much. And even though Figueredo shows freakish athleticism and suspect performances, like muscling up against Formiga, in his defense, Formiga's used to letting guys get up because he's so keen on getting back takes in transition. Formiga didn't earn the title from me and many, especially back in the day. If you listen to people like talking four or five years ago, like us saying he's the best back taker in MMA at flyweight, you'd see him do him off of like slips, you know, and whatnot. And but the thing was, it's like you saw this thing where it's like not only did he start stop closing the show less for Miga from back takes, then he's like in UFC because it's against higher competition and win or lose, he's getting these sweet back takes and beautiful transitions that are just. Like go watch from Formiga early early UFC early to mid UFC run, and you're just seeing some really amazing athletic back takes, right? But in the mid to late, you start seeing him not just not close the show from the back takes, but he's holding position for less. And in fact, you know you go to the fights like the Morenos or even in the Figueredo's fights when he's often setting up when he's allowing guys space to breathe to set up his back takes, right? Those moments are actually now, instead of him setting up traps, they're actually working the way they're kind of supposed to be designed for, where guys are using his transition, uh, his transition, uh, his transitional, um, purposeful space and exploding off of it, timing him, right? Um, so we're seeing Formiga lose a lot of those positions. So I think that falls more in line with the trend of Formiga and the way MMA is moving and the general skill of flyweight. All three of those things outweigh maybe Figueredo is just this lights-out counter-grappler. Like, he showed some really good things that I'm really trying to give him credit for, like in the first Benavidez fight, not just the takedown defense, but that armbar catch because it was a transitionary thing that, it's flyweight, you should be doing things like that, but Figueredo, even in his like wild man regional days, was more of a positional based he's always been more of a positional based player. He seems to really enjoy making fighters feel his weight and strength. So I don't know if he's gonna have that against one of the bigger flyweights. One of the biggest flyweights and arguably the best wrestler in the division. And I feel much better when Guys like analysts like Ed, Ed Gallo uh, kind of sign off on that. And I write about his history on my in-depth breakdowns, which you can find, of course, on MMA Junkie. I've had, a, I've had a bunch of stuff coming out all week. Connor, Dustin, Rehash, some Contender Series at the Bellator main event, and both these main events written up in-depth with some stats. And, and yeah, um, and, and uh, sorry, I lost train of thought there, but speaking of stats, you know, Although I'm 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 talking about wrestling here, as I see that being a key, I think it's going to be a uh, unfortunate for Figueredo fans who are wanting for action. I think Rest Prez is going to wrestle him for an upset on the scorecards. But 
the calf kick still will be something to look for. It's deceptive because Figueredo, again, a counterfighter, he's going to counter off of him, but he doesn't always counter off him. He doesn't take every opportunity that's there. And although he has shown some semblance of checking in recent fights, which is a good trend to keep an eye out for from Figueredo, ultimately, fighters who have committed to their leg kicks have landed at a high clip statistically. Again, I know stats aren't everything. I'm not a big stats guy, but it is worth noting, especially against now arguably the best leg kicker, and not just a leg kicker, but a calf kicker. It only takes a couple of those to compromise the fight. Um, by the way, I, I know a lot of you guys who crunch the tape do it without commentary, which is kind of smart to get certain looks. Um, I've been like playing like music over as I'm doing it, and it just my own weird nerdy head like <laughs> things um, things uh, edit together funny. And I was listening to the Lone Shepherd off the Kill Bill soundtrack while watching Formiga and Alex Perez, and it sunk up beautifully like a movie. Um, and I'm gonna as I talk about this, <laughs> I was writing listening to that song Donovan. Uh, it's a song that's playing when uh, Billy Bats is getting stomped on in Goodfellas. And <laughs> I just had this like image where like now I'm, I'm going to do it and post it to Twitter probably later today. I'm going to edit the Donovan song over the Strike Force Brawl. <laughs> I think it would just go perfect. <laughs> Billy Bats. Oh, man, Miller. Uh, sorry. Long-winded there. Uh, I'm just going to go with Perez. Good luck to you, Figueredo. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Perez gets fucking ice by right hands or uppercuts. He's gotten better. He's not... We talk more about the striking on the Fight Side podcast. I don't want to draw on here. Um, and I don't want to give them a plug as well. Um, but basically, Perez, Perez faintings are going to be the key. He has trended to fainting more. He is attaching check hooks and getting better at throwing away his right hand and more confidence in his left hook. All things that are going to serve him very well. But he, make no mistake about it, folks. He is playing with fire for as long as Figueredo is standing. Um, but if Figueredo doesn't find that finish within the first half of the fight, I feel like it's got Perez's decision written all over it. Plus 1,000 if you want to sprinkle on that bad boy. But really, it's it's money line or bust either way if you ask me for either fighter. Uh, I got Perez. Next fight, we'll try to speed the rest of this breakdown up, folks. Valentina Shevchenko minus 1,300. Jennifer Maya plus 850. Um, taking Shevchenko here, obviously, by decision, despite it being in the small cage. Um, patterns seem to be even more predictable in MMA. We'll talk about that from Maya's perspective in a second. Um, but I'm going to go with the degenerate pattern over the technical pattern. Um, the technical pattern is that Maya does the same. Like, there's L, You guys know the L-step in boxing? Well, Maya does like an L-shuffle. <laughs> Like, I'm just trying to, like, politely, like, write about it, but I don't think I've ever written, like, somebody, like, I wrote, like, that she taxis about <laughs> into resets. Like, I don't know how much of a polite of a way it is to say, that is to say something, but yeah. Um, she does essentially the same resets, and she resets to her right, and moves to her right, and dips to her right, and these, in completely different ways, by the way, but thematically, from direction to just the theme of repetitive rote patterns... It very much reminds me of Holly Holm. And so in that sense, I could see Shevchenko picking up on things and smashing her with a head kick um, because she just dips into that side and runs into that side or a counter cross. But I also feel like Jennifer Maya's, again, is someone with a, with a big head here. She could, looks like she could take a shot, right? Um, and I know, you know, she got knocked out by Sheila Gaff. Like that was early in her career. I think a more relevant reference would be the Polish girl she fought in Invicta who had her on like ice skates. But if you also, if you go look at that fight in Invicta, that was a title fight, right? Maya was defending. And I think it's like the first or second round she gets rocked and could be down like one or two rounds. And like she's putting that kind of like Volkanovsky Holloway two position. Not as good of a fight, obviously, but, but in the sense of the head kick, the rocking, the being down two rounds and you're forced to defend your title. Um, with a gun to your head with three rounds to go, you got to win every round. And she did that to her credit, you know, um, and was able to compose herself. Uh, now, I don't think she can win the title off of Shevchenko, but 
I think she can dance around and kill time even in the small octagon for the decision because the degenerate trend is that Chevchenko, since being a flyweight, has finished decision, finished decision, finished decision, finished, right? It kind of goes like that. Um, does she break off from the path like Random Marcos did and go south? I don't think so. Um, good luck to you if you're playing that. I feel like a middle ground here, folks, would be the over. At minus two, 150 for over two and a half on a female Shevchenko five-round affair, boyo. I feel like even if it doesn't hit, I, I still – and it, it sounds like the most salty. There's no value in a losing line. That's so I, I get it. I'm definitely not trying to be that guy, and I rarely even cite this. But just to that point, like I just feel like that line is off in the sense that even if it doesn't hit, I'm not going to regret my shot. Put it that way. That That's fair, right? That's fair. Um, so I feel like that's the middle ground to look for there, folks. Good luck. Uh, Mike Perry minus 145. Tim Means plus 125. Let's see, because my prediction, like I said, was that Mike Perry was going to miss weight. Let's see if uh, he did. It's 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 almost end of the way in time here as I'm, as I'm recording this. Olipsky just made it at 126. Perry forfeits 30%. Oh, shit. Looks like Dan Tom was correct. I was calling it. Oh, snap. Oh, I got to tweet that. Oh, Jesus. Called this since Wednesday. At line movement. Sorry. Perry misses weight. That bet is in. So expect this line to flip. I bet you if I refresh, it's already going. Um, yep, means minus one seven plus one seventeen now. Parrot minus one twenty seven. My betting article dropped before I started recording this, so I made it do there with sites of my Wednesday call as well as uh, as well as others there. So um, so yeah, uh, yep. Hopefully you're able to get in on that. By the time I get my account fixed, I'm probably gonna miss it. So. Say la vie, Perry. Uh, play for me. Um, and again, if y'all, uh, <laughs> to those of you who already are, are generous, stop fucking tipping me, by the way. But, but you know, if anybody else wants to feel nice, you know, who wants to support this show, uh, that's free, continues to be free. If I've helped you cash some bets, you can always uh, either support it for free by uh, just giving it a nice share, five-star rating review on Apple Podcasts, Give it a like and subscribe. Help my subscriber count on YouTube, Daniel Tom MMA. Try not to bitch about that, but I feel like it's fair that I, I could ask for a little more. Uh, so these are ways to help. But if you want to feel so inclined, yes, you can always go to MixedMarshallAnalyst.com who hosts this here podcast. Click through the Amazon and on it links through your shopping or the PayPal banner for a direct donation. See, I put the the, the thing right in the middle, like how the, how the annoying advertisements go, which I may start to have those too. Uh, we'll see, folks. But uh, come on, I barely advertise. It's, it's Forgive me, right? That'll be it for that. Um, but yeah, I got Tim Means here. You know, you're a little worried about knockout or bust, but knockout or bust alone is a way to, you know, um, at dog money is, is enough value just on broad brush standards. Then factor in the... You know, the fact that I've always been betting means at like minus 220s for years now, getting him at plus money against Mike freaking Perry, who has looked like awful. Remember I talked about his bad work looking suspect before the golf fight. He comes in, looks super suspect. And again, the reason why I'm a little bit of bragging, I have to take my victory lap because you, you podcast listeners know, look at the fight before Jennifer Maya. I believe I was a bit reluctant on one, but I know I called one for sure. I called technically though, the last two of her weight misses at least told y'all to watch out for it. Do not be surprised if she misses. Said it here on this show. I, I got an eye for this. Shout out to my man Aaron Bronstetter, who used to be a guest that weight guy. Maybe that's why we get along. We ha we both have that gene. But uh, I said Perry's looking thick, and then he was eating burritos and burgers on Fight Week on his Instagram, folks. Like, Jesus. So uh, it's uh, it's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, so anyways, I got means here. Um, good luck if you're playing them. Uh, Cynthia Calvillo minus 265. Catlin Chukagian plus 225. Um, 
this is another one where you could say the line is is a little too wide. And I feel like I'm saying that not just to be conservative, but also to maybe correct, perhaps overcorrect the steering wheel because my hand is raised, folks, admitting bias for Cynthia Calvillo, working with people I know over at Extreme Couture for this camp. Um, so I'm going to be picking her. Uh, I'll probably end up playing her, but like it's going to be honestly super reserved because like I, I feel like I shouldn't be paying this much. Um, I, I like the improvements. I think she's going to win on the feet. I like what she did from I because particularly like you look at the stool language Cynthia Calvillo sat down. You you could argue that she, maybe she lost the first round. It looks like she lost the first round in her mind, right? Even though a lot of people scored it for her. Uh, and she looked almost dejected, and I'm like, oh crap, that's like somebody like you. That's a face you want to live bet against. Like she looks so de- dejected, right? But Calvia, man, this Mexican warrior, she pulls it together and fights her ass off and out volumes. Um, I and I's got some size and some wrestling, better wrestling than Chu Kagan. So I think Calvillo can score takedowns if she needs to, even though she doesn't go for him as much as I would like. However, when she does go for him, she does tend to do him off of caught kicks, which is why um, I picked her in a fight that was more closely lined and for good reason against Marina Rodriguez, right? Uh, and, you know, whether you agree with the draw or not, her takedown games off of the kicks that I just cited are certainly what saved her ass, right? I think we can all agree on that. So... I'm going to pick Calvillo here. Chukagian has been showing to sit down on her shots more, but Calvillo's got a chin, and again, she's not easily discouraged. Um, So I think that Calvillo bringing the fight and doing things that would be good, like sitting down, bringing the fight more, will actually play into Calvillo's hands. So as I talk about it, maybe I'm convincing myself more into the Calvillo pick. I just, I get why... Anything north of this line is putting up flags for these people. Let's just say that. Pick is Calvillo. Pl- uh, proceed with caution. Uh, I'm not telling you to, what to do, though. Uh, Paul Craig, minus 170, will probably de- be decapitating some guy named Morris Rua. Um, it's not Shogun, folks. It's Morris Rua. I, I, I refuse to believe that um, Shogun is going to take another L here. Uh, but I'm going to go with damage. I don't think that Paul Craig earned a 10-8 in that first fight but the reason why he was able to bs the judges in that sense no hate on paul craig there for he did his job but the reason why we saw that score i guess i should say is is it damage right or the illusion of damage and uh paul craig will do that um maybe a tko prop is worth a fun sprinkle if you're looking for plus money you don't feel right putting chalk on a guy like craig especially against a guy like uh morris (laughs) but uh the pick is Craig. Um, I didn't play. I stayed away. And we'll probably, again, ultimately stay away since my bookie won't let me play. Uh, yeah. Uh, or the book that I use, I should say. Salty. <laughs> Jesus, Dan, get over it. Uh, next fight. Brandon Moreno versus minus 190. Brandon Royville plus 165. Um, you guys know... Um, Breville was one of my favorite caches next to Glover and some others this pandemic season over Kaikara France. But that was also because that was just a really overinflated line. Uh, no offense to Kaikara France, say to kickboxing, love them both. But Kaikara France, again, has been very overinflated from the betting lines perspective. And against a guy who is not a, a bad matchup and still going to give me the bad line, that was just silly. This, however, even though one plus 165 is still a nice line for a guy like Brandon Royville, who is live. I'm still going to prick Brandon Moreno based on decision theory. Royville won in four in decisions, whereas Moreno um, has shown that he can win decisions a lot more consistently. So in other words, if Royville doesn't get the finish, I suspect Moreno will win by decision. Moreno could also finish him as well, a la uh, Dustin Ortiz. You know, he'll pull out those surprising finishes. Um, Royville shown he could be reckless and get rocked. Uh, but I'm going to pick Moreno. I wouldn't be betting this fight, though, and I wouldn't be betting against Factory X's fighters from 135 down right now. They're fucking hot. But uh, Moreno is an overachiever, and (laughs) the assassin, baby! (laughs) Uh, Moreno looks like he could be on the team, if you know what I'm saying. Dan, don't go there. Stay on target. Keep it clean. I'm just saying, folks. As 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 a fellow, as a fellow person that that could be on that team, I think. Uh, 
we'll just say I'll say Team Usamal Bahara as to cite the <laughs> to cite the Thick Fighters podcast. Oh no, no oh, Jesus, Dan. All right, uh, let's just let's steer away. I love both those guys. Let's leave it at that. Uh, Joaquin Buckley minus two fifty. Jordan Wright plus two ten. This feels like a trap. Again, overcorrecting the steering wheel, right? Um, and Jordan Wright is an easy guy to write off, but the dude uh, has some opportunistic skills, right? So who knows? I'm going to pick Buckley here to roll, but um, Jordan Wright, who's not undefeated, by the way, don't let these weird nose contests that keep popping up fool you. We'll talk about more later, but yeah. Um, I'll take uh, Joaquin Buckley. Antonina Shevchenko minus 160, Arian Lipsky plus 140. This is on my avoid list because I didn't tape it, and both fighters lose when they're supposed to win. I'll take Antonina, but I am not confident in it. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it was a slot fest either way, though Lipsky pulling out a sub or something like random would not surprise me either. Like It's just what it is. Kyle Dacus minus 320 over... Dustin Stolfus. I think I called for this fight in my contender series. Uh, I Doc, Doc should be favored. Should he be favored that much? Uh, I'm not sure because uh, I didn't do tape on this fight. I just remember Stolfus is a dude. I'm pulling up my grading the winners. He really liked Germany. I just remember him coming out doing some questionable hand signals. And the dude is really into Germany. Um. Not, not hating, man. Germany was really nice to me. German people are nice. Uh, my Faja, despite being full Chinese, speaks fluent German. Don't even ask why. Uh, no hate there, but, you know, dude seem uh, unnormally. Yeah, that's right. I said book him in the form of either Joaquin Buckley, who's on this card, or Kyle Dacus. That's right, baby. Uh, I'll take some cred there. Why not? UFC matchmakers need a break for their brain. <laughs> Uh, obviously, it's not too hard to, to pick a lot of these folks. I'm, I'm joking because there's really not many open choices, and eh, there's not a lot of thought that seems to go into this matchmaking, so I will not thump my chest too hard there. Uh, I will pick Kyle Dawkins. I'll probably play him because I like him, which is terrible to say. Uh, so obviously don't take my analysis too hard to the bank. Next fight's a tricky one, too. Alan Joban, minus 145. Jared Gooden, plus 125. Um I didn't do any more tape since I talked to Dan Levy on um, the Line Movement MMA betting show. Obviously, Jared Gooden is one of his guys, and Dan uh, rightfully so admitted his bias. Um, and, you know, because he's one of his guys, I'm going to want Jared to do well too. However, I am a fan of Joe Ban, and as an analyst, um, I'm going to have to pick him here. But I will say Gooden is a live dog, especially, you know, he, there's a lot of flags. Um, between Joe Ban moving into commentary, which man, he's killing it. He looks not only looks great, dresses great, uh, knows how to play the camera. Um, he's, he's got that 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 you know the advertising commercial experience. So I bet he's got some acting chops there. Joe Ban's the man, um, but he might be maybe moving on to that career. You know, you got to watch out for that kind of like with the Chukagian already talking about retirement, starting a family. You know, and then you look at the age gap of 12 years, and it's just crazy. Otherwise, they're both pretty similar as far as, minus the Muay Thai, uh, as far as regional MMA titles, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu brown belts, so on and so forth. But I'll go with my Tough Enough alum. It's not, it's not, it's not often I get to say uh, I fought in the same organization as a UFC fighter anymore because, like, the Ronda Rouseys and all the other Tough Enough alum are no longer fighting. But Alan Joban's one of them, baby. I think his last Tough Enough fight was like a few cards before mine. Um, while they were still using the ring. That's how long ago Joe Ban was fighting for them. Because my fight in April 2011 was like their second card. Where they switched over to the cage and we were all stoked. Well, UFC, bro. <laughs> Fighting cage, man. Uh, stupid kid. <laughs> stupid Dan Tom. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, so, you know, bias both ways here. So don't listen to me. But uh, I will say good in his life, uh, definitely a dogger pass situation. Um, for me, at least. I just, there's too many flags for me to support the guy I'm picking. Sounds silly, but that's just, that's how compromised I am. So don't listen to me, folks. Um, Luis Koski, minus 45. I can't remember if it's the Luis that I liked. Uh, well, I liked them both, but I really liked one that had a chip on his shoulder because Dana White kind of gave him shit and he shouldn't have. And the kid was just like, yeah. No, 
I didn't let off the gas. I don't let nobody off the gas. I'll show you next time. I was like, oh, that motherfucker's got a chip of all chips, and Dana just awoken that beast. So I'm, uh, if that's that brother, I'm really excited to see him. Um, I'll, I'll pick him as the absurd favorite over Sasha Plankton. Plankton off? I don't know. Uh, didn't do any tape study there. Obviously, uh, I did on this one though. Uh, not that I really needed to, because my my opinion was the same. Daniel Rodriguez now minus three thirty. Nicholas Dalby plus two seventy. Uh, Daniel Rodriguez. I know it's hard to bump chest on a minus three hundred, but that's that's your. This is the chalk that's that that's the safest in my opinion of the whole card. Minus Shevchenko, obviously, but that's that's some high class chalk you're talking about there. Um, but uh, you know, uh, Nicholas Dalby. Um, is the South Southpaw fault line. He and Alex Oliveira, neither of them are Southpaws and they face each other, but if you look at Alex Oliveira, he pretty much sends every Southpaw he faces into orbit unless they're switched stance, super skilled Rachmanov, uh, which I called, by the way, but, or if it, uh, you know, or on the opposite hand, you got Dalby who loses to everyone who's a Southpaw. In fact, all his losses and no contests or losses recently unfairly turned to a no contest, like with Jesse Ronson's case, they're all southpaws. Zach Cummings, uh, Peter Sabota, J- Darren, Darren Till, Darren Fochan Till, Jesse Ronson, Al, uh, Carlo Pedersoli, right? They're all southpaws. And Rodriguez is a deceptively slick and heavy hitting southpaw um, who can hold his own in scrambles and submissions. So I don't think those will be an issue as far as level-changing scores, much less any control time. Meaningful control time will be scored by Dalby. And Dalby's not is also getting up there in age and miles. I hope his rap on social media, which I'm a fan of Dalby, and I, you know, that, that's cute and all, and I like Dalby's story, but I hope he's not really meaning that he starves himself for a day and a half before the weigh-ins. He's still going old school. I know he's an older guy, but... And I hope he's not doing that, you know, because that would explain that, you know, that's not going to help his durability. Um, I know Daniel Rodriguez, you know, got flash KO'd three months ago, almost to the day by the time he fights, right? Um, and that's kind of troublesome, but he recovered really well. And uh, again, man, kind of like the Dirty Bird, who I know he iced, which goes a long way with me too. Um, these guys in prison, man. These guys who've been fighting in prison and fighting, fight, they fought to get in prison and they fought in and out of prison. Um yeah, I trust they'll I trust they'll make do in a pandemic. Let's just say. So, um Daniel Rodriguez has done some hard times, so that's why he's a little older, but he's younger in miles. That's why he's hitting a stride both in life and in fighting a bit late. So, I got Daniel Rodriguez all day, and in reference to the my problem with the Figueredo inside the distance in reference to his money line, which keeps getting tighter now. Maybe I'm not crazy for liking Perez. I feel like I'd be alone on an island, but uh, shouts to my man uh, Danny Martin there over on the fight site. Um, not many of us picking Perez. Uh, I've seen at least. But then again, I, don't, I purposely don't look at other people's breakdowns for the most part, especially these days, or my feed, especially these days. Um, but yeah, you look at Daniel Rodriguez, who's like a bigger favorite than Figueredo has been all week. And his inside the distance line comes back at like plus 120. So I feel like that's value all day, son. So I would hit that. I'm going to hit that if I can get uh, onto another book that offers it in time. Um, if not, hit it for me. But if you lose, don't come looking for me. <laughs> Daniel Rodriguez, a definite parlay piece. All right, how do we do on time? I know I went long on the main. 48 minutes, not too bad. I'm, I'm still in expedited territory, aren't I? Um, anyways, thanks, folks. Again, going to recap here on the way out. Uh, taking Alex Perez over Davis and Figueredo, taking Valentina Shevchenko over Jennifer Maya, taking Tim Means over Mike Perry, taking Cynthia Calvillo over Caitlin Chukagi, and taking Paul Craig over whoever Morris Rua is, taking Brandon Moreno over Brandon Roy Val, taking Joaquin Buckley over Jordan Wright, taking Antonina Shevchenko over Ariana Lipsky, albeit hesitantly, taking Kyle Dawkins over Dustin Stolfus. All right. <laughs> Derek Vineyard. Damn, no. Taking Alan Joban over Jared Gooden. Taking Luis Koski over Sasha Planktonoff. Taking Daniel Rodriguez over Nicholas Dalby. 
Uh, gonna parlay Rodriguez with somebody if I can get on a book sometime. Gonna play <laughs> Means if he's still dog money. Maybe even straight if I get in a book sometime and he's low enough. Gonna play Perez at whatever he's at. Wish I could have played him at plus 250. Props, Shevchenko, Maya over my uh, 2.5 minus 150. It's got value for me. Be playing that if I can. We'll also be playing D right inside the distance at plus 120. You know I will. Uh, avoid Moreno Royville. Just sit back and crack one and enjoy that. Lipsky Shevchenko. I won't tell you what to avoid otherwise. But if you do want to, again, quick plug. Sorry, I got to do it. Support this show. Please, just any kind of share, shout. I'll try to share and tweet you or reshare you if you tag uh, the podcast on social platforms. Easy to remember, at the PYN Podcast on all social platforms. I don't pollute your feed, and it really does help a lot for the follows, as well as at DanTomMMA on Twitter, where you can find me most. And yes, MixedMarshallAnalyst.com, the host of this here free program that's been free for many years and counting and will continue to be free for you and your reference. And if it has helped you, feel free to support by not just sharing, but subscribing to the YouTube channel, Daniel, Tom, and May, giving this audio version of the video a like if you're listening to us there, as well as on Apple Podcasts, five-star ratings and reviews, or the click-throughs on the said MixedMarshallAnalyst.com toggle to the right for on it. Love the hemp protein. Just bought a new kettlebell was sweet. Uh, click through at no cost to you. A small percentage of your sale goes back to the show, and the same goes for Amazon. God, I hate to admit that I use it, but we do, don't we? So please, any help there is appreciated. And let me know if you do so I can double-check that it is getting tracked. You are getting credit for it, and I will give credit to you, uh, especially if you hit that PayPal donation link. Those who have done so have had wide-open access to me even while I was on break to help them cash the bets that I could not even cash. So, uh, uh, not not that I'm doing a Patreon or, or, or moving in that direction, but that's, that's let's just say there's an unwritten rule there, and let's just forget it. Why not just some good karma? Even a couple bucks, anything uh, anything helps, and I can assure you goes directly to this podcast and helping it grow. Thank you very much. I hate doing that salesmanship bullshit. Thanks for sticking through. Um, good luck on your picks and plays this weekend. We're back in business, baby, and until next time, protect the enemy.